Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another Bible study session. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you. We thank you for another time to worship you and to learn from your word as a community, as a tribe, as your extraordinary disciples. We ask that you open the eyes of our hearts today to hear what you're saying to us at this very moment. Father, Lord, open the eyes of our faith to see that which is eternal so that we may move with a conviction that does not hold on to unbelief even in the face of impossibilities in the face of challenges in the face of hopelessness but that our faith becomes empowered by your word by jesus christ himself and that our faith grows in confidence that we can do all things we can do hard things we can do all things through christ who gives us strength and that our faith is strengthened by the finished work of the cross and in knowing that God who started his work in us is faithful to complete it until the day he returns. Holy Spirit, I ask that you give me the tongues of the ready writer and you speak through me today, not my words, but yours. Oh God, my Father, be with my mouth and teach me what to say as I speak. Give me a mouth of skillful words and wisdom as I open my mouth in this moment, fill it with what I need to do your will, fill it with what I need to say to your children and your disciples. I declare that I become lesser and lesser and you become greater. I do not speak in flesh, but I speak by the spirit. And as I speak, the entrance of your word brings light and understanding to the simple, that every word I speak tonight will bring light and understanding and clarity to everyone listening to this message. Lord, we thank you. We worship you. We welcome you here tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Today, we will be reading John chapter 10, verses 22 to 42. Um, but as I said, before we go right in, let me recap from our last study. So last time we studied John 10, verses 1 to 21. And here's a quick recap. The number one point was that anyone can veer um, and then kind of like move into falsehood um, when it comes to the things of God, if we, don't, if we do not allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, we must elevate um, the Spirit of God in our lives. We must elevate it over our emotions, over our reasoning, and definitely over the flesh. We must be led by the Spirit. Number two, a message without a voice is useless. And a voice without a message is empty. So what does this mean? It means you need to identify your message and your voice because it is your voice, the sheep you are called to hear. There must be a voice and there must be a message that they must hear, right? Everyone here, we're leaders in our own right and you must have a voice and a message for your tribe to come to you. Number three, let God open the door. Let him call you. Let him make your flock grow because when God is the the one who starts, he sustains it himself. I think that takes off a lot of pressure from us to you know, want to sustain whatever God has called us to do. And then finally, we must cultivate our hearing and discerning channels so that we can hear God's voice clearly and follow his lead so that we don't fall prey to Satan, his, the thieves, the wolves, and all kind of false doctrine that is out there now so that they won't outsm outsmart us.
The Bible says, do not be unaware of the devices of the enemy, right? So we must cultivate our hearing and discerning channels so we know when it's God, right, versus when it's not God. So I'm going to jump right into the reading. So John chapter 10, verse 22 to 42, verse 22. Then the festival or the feast of dedication took place in Jerusalem and it was winter. Jesus was walking in the temple in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? <laughs> if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. 25, Jesus said, I did tell you and you don't believe. Jesus answered them, the works that I do in my father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. This is beautiful. Verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. <laughs> no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. This is such a beautiful promise. And, the, and what we have in Christ Jesus and what we have in God. Like we have both, it's like a double covering, right? You can't be snatched from Jesus. You can't be snatched from God. Like literally, like you're secure and safe. Verse 31. Again, the Jews picked up rocks to stone him. Jesus replied, I have shown you many good works from the father for which of these works are you stoning me? <laughs> and they said, we aren't stoning you for a, good, for a good work, the Jews answered, but for blasphemy because you being a man make yourself God. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, isn't it written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called those whom the word of God came to God and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say you are blaspheming to the one the father set apart or the father sanctified and sent into the world because I said, I am the son of God? Verse 37, if I'm not doing my father's works, don't believe me. But if I am doing them and you don't believe me, then believe the works. <laughs> this way you will know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. Then they were trying again to seize him, but he eluded their grasp. Verse 40. So he departed again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing earlier, and he remained there. Many came to him and said, John never did a sign or did a miracle, but everything John said about this man was true. Verse 42. And many believed him there. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Many believed him there. <laughs> you believe Jesus when you are with him. You have to be there with him. But we'll go into that. So I'm going to jump right into the teaching. So continuing from our last study, um, verse 22 says, now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter. So I kind of looked up what the Feast of Dedication was all about. I kind of felt led to do that. And I found something very fascinating about the Feast of Dedication. So what is the Feast of Dedication, right? According to online resources, the Feast of Dedication or the Festival of Dedication, um, which was also once called the Feast of the Maccabees, was an eight day winter festival celebrated by the Jews 
in the month of December or sometimes in late November. Today, this festival is called Hanukkah, which or the Festival of Lights, which we're kind of more familiar with, right? Um, so basically, the temple in Jerusalem was rededicated to God, and ever since then, the Feast of Dedication had um, has been celebrated to commemorate the rededication of the temple. So it was it's just a they do it as a remembrance of the rededication of the temple. Um, to God. So here's what I found that was very interesting. The original feast of dedication involved a miracle. When the Jews re-entered the temple, they could only find one small sealed jug of olive oil that had not been profaned or contaminated by the Seleucids. So basically this, this the, the, Selu, the Seleucids were a group of people, kind of like the Greeks, so I would say non-Jewish people, right? And if we're familiar with the scripture, God always says, don't, you know, associate with no one other than me, right? Um, and so they needed the oil to light up the candle. So they used the oil to light the menorah, the menorahs, which are the candle stands in the temple. Um, and though the oil was only enough to last one day, it miraculously lasted eight days, which was enough time for the oil, for more oil to be made ready. And apparently this is the reason why Hanukkah lasts for eight days. So when I read this, I was so blown away by the intentionality and the, and, and the way God works. Like God sustains the small that you have. That thing that you have that has not been defiled by any other gods or idols, that has not been defiled by your own plans, he can stretch your small until you until more comes to you. Pure oil that has not been defiled, which is representative of the Holy Spirit, can sustain you in the wilderness. It can sustain you in the winter seasons of your life. If you see, the Bible says, and it was winter, very strategic. The Holy Spirit is the one who sustains you in the seasons of little, the seasons of your life that feel like, man, God, I'm tired of being here until you reach your promised land, which is where there is more. More is in the promised land. So my, so the point here is start with what you have, start with the small things and dedicate it to God. And you will see it last you until you step into the promised land, until you step into the promise, until you step into the word that God has given you. Remember, the promised land is the land filled with milk and honey. This is where you begin to leverage the resources of the land. This is where the promise comes into fullness. You know, you begin to leverage it to work for you. God will always sustain us as long as we seek him first and put what we have in our hands into his hands in its pure state, not defiled by our plans, not trusting in other gods, but in him alone. I feel like this is so profound. And I believe that this is a word for somebody here tonight. And so Jesus was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's colonnade. Basically Solomon's colonnade was, it was located on the Eastern side of the temple's outer court. And so Jesus was walking around the outer, um, around the outer court. And basically, what is the outer court? The outer court is where, it's kind of like where everyone sits, it's the general area, it's the busy area, it's noisy. It's, 
it's where the they call them the outsiders who sit where they worshiped in the temple and just to give us a bit of context the temple in jerusalem was divided into three sections the outer court the inner court and the holy of holies so the outer court was for the crowd the inner court was for the levites and the priests who went inside to meet one-on-one -on -one with god they're the ones that did the sacrifices and all that and the holy of holies was for the high priest on special occasions and dedications. So when there was something that God really wanted to do. So like when Moses would go in, right? And so those in the outer court never saw the glory of God. Wow. They came close to it, but they never, they could never get inside. They never experienced that closeness. Only the Levites had that. In the outer court, people were used to religious activities. It was busy, just so much going on, but no expression of a personal encounter with God. Guys, isn't it such a privilege that we are able to have this one-on-one -on -one relationship with God because of what Christ did? When he died, he tore the veil that separated the outer court from the inner court. He gave us access. He gave us access one-on-one -on -one with God and to God. He even gave us access to the Holy of Holies, depending on how deep your consecration is, because he stands as our high priest calling us as kings and priests in his order, according to the order of Melchizedek. So the key to stepping into the inner court experience, which involves intimacy with God, is developing hunger and thirst for the depths of God. You have to crave intimacy with God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. It involves us constantly crying to God, I want more of you. It involves us staying focused on our focus, and his name is Jesus. It involves us setting our gaze onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith and our salvation and our, and our being. And like Mary, it involves us in it involves us not being distracted, but putting first koinonia and intimate sessions at the feet of Jesus, spending time with him. So these people in the outer court who were like outsiders didn't really have any intimate relationship with God or with Jesus. So they didn't really know him. And so this explains their mindset, right? You know, the knowledge of God that you that you know determines how you experience him. And you can only grow in your knowledge of God when you intentionally spend time with him. And we spend time when we have meditative prayer sessions, when we read our Bible, both with the help of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the spirit of God to breathe life into you as you connect with God. So the Jews surrounded him and they asked Jesus, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? Like, if you are the Messiah, just tell us, like, like what's, you know, what, why are you just, you know, making it complicated, right? Um, but what the people in the outer court didn't realize, or even till today, what people who don't have that intimate experience with God don't realize is that the outer court is not where God reveals himself. <laughs> he doesn't reveal himself in the crowd because relationship with God is personal. 
He reveals himself to you in the inner court, in the Holy of Holies. When we see miracles and all these manifestations of God, you know, it is just God showing his works. That is not, that's not intimacy. That is not a relationship with God. That is God just showing what he can do because of the level of faith people have. But to know God, like to know him, to know his nature, to know his ways. The Bible says Moses knew the ways of God. He spent time in intimacy. Come, if, you, if you just look at that example, the difference between Moses and the people of Israel, the people of Israel when they out of court, but Moses spent time with God. You have to spend time with him, just like you would in any relationship that you're trying to grow, that you want to grow in intimacy with. If the Jews were close to Jesus, if they were in an intimate relationship with him, if they followed him closely, they would be in his circle and he would have revealed himself to them. This is why the disciples were able to experience Jesus as God because they followed him closely. In verse 25, Jesus told them, I've already told you, but you don't believe me. <laughs> like people in the outer court find it harder to believe what God says. It is just the nature of the outer court experience. The longer you stay in that, in that mindset, that frame of not being close to God, you would find it harder to believe what God says. You would always have a plan B. You would always want to come up with your own plan. People in the outer court believe when they see proof, they, they must see to believe. They move more in human or natural faith than in supernatural faith, which is God faith. And because these people are not fully in tune with God, they are not, they are not able to discern him. And Jesus said, the proof is that the work I do is in God's name, but you don't believe me. And you are even doubting the legitimacy of the works I do because you are not my sheep. So we can see how this stuff is layered where because you don't know God, you find it hard to believe because you find it hard to believe, then you kind of find it hard to believe when you see God move. You're like, really though? Right? He said, my sheep listen to my voice. That is, they believe and they take action. He said, I know my sheep and they follow me. We talked about the dynamics of the sheep hearing the voice of God in our last study, um, last session. So, so if you get a chance, listen to it. It's up on our page, right? So our goal should be for God to know us. And this is my personal desire that in heaven, when my name is mentioned, they know my name. <laughs> just, as, just as they know Jeff's name here on earth, Heaven knows my name. That is my goal. That is my desire. That heaven knows my name. Jesus knows my name. God the Father knows my name. And the Holy Spirit knows my name. This is my desire. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 7, 21 to 23 says, and this was Jesus talking. I mean, this just shows the gravity of the different dynamics of the kind of relationship that, relationship that we can have with God. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. But he who does the will of my father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. 
This message is so profound and it makes you humble. It makes you humble because it, it literally describes the difference between those who know God intimately and those who do not, who just do religious activities. This is why religiosity must be broken and destroyed because a lot of us get caught up in religion. And this is the difference between the outer court experience versus the inner court experience. God has to know your name. Heaven has to know your name. It's not about just going to church. It's not about reading your Bible. Do you know God? Does he know you? Do you guys have conversation? Does he tell you secret things? Do you prioritize him above everything? Moving on to verse 28, Jesus said, because my sheep hear my voice. Now, this is the beautiful part of why we serve God, why we follow Jesus. He says, and I know them and they follow me. Because of this, I give them eternal life. Many of us are worried about, I mean, there's so much happening in the world today. Our minds are constantly like, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen to me today. Today, every day somebody is dying. Every day somebody is committing suicide. Every day there's depression. Every day there's, a, there's something happening. But Jesus is saying, I, I know my, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, they follow me. I give them eternal life. They will not perish this is the inheritance we have in Christ Jesus. This is one of the riches of the glory of his inheritance, the hope of his calling that Paul mentioned in Ephesians 1.18. Things that money cannot buy. <laughs> money can buy you guaranteed life on earth. Only Christ can. <laughs> Jesus gives us eternal life. And he says, with this eternal life, you will never perish. And no one can snatch you away from him because you belong to him and you were given to, to him by God. You are Christ's inheritance. And because Christ and God are one, he has the authority to keep you as God will keep you. That's what I said, double covering. So you can stand in that confidence. You never be afraid of death. Death is not your portion. Sickness is not your portion. Destruction is not your portion. This is your inheritance in Christ Jesus that you are kept. No one can do anything to you. No one. The Bible, Jesus himself said, I have given you power over all the other. <laughs> I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You walk in authority, not in fear. To trample upon snakes and scorpions, no matter the dimension that they come in, you have authority because you are seated in heavenly place, places with Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter who they are. Even if it's Pharaoh, it doesn't matter. You have authority. Jesus said in John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without Christ, we can do nothing. Without Christ, we cannot have eternal life. Without Christ, we are prone, we are prone to perish. But he's saying, if you, if you abide in me, if you follow my voice, if, you, if I know you, you know me. No one can snatch you from Jesus. No one can snatch you from me as long as you abide in me and I abide in you. So you are literally interlocked. And how, how, how do you belong to Jesus? How do, you, how do you go about abiding in him and you abide and, and vice versa? It's when we submit and surrender ourselves fully to him. When he knows you and you know him, when you hear his voice and you follow him and he follows you, so Jesus is saying to you, 
that this is one of the things that you can enjoy with him. You cannot perish. It is not your portion. No matter what is going on in your life, no matter what is going on around you, no matter what is going on in the world, you are kept, you are secure, you are safe because Jesus is a keeper. God himself is a keeper. He keeps people under his wings. Just imagine being under some God's armpits. Please, who can take you out of it? I'm confused. No one. Like whose hand is that bold to be like, oh, let me snatch money out of God's armpit. <laughs> you dare not. Psalm 16, verse five to six says, oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. Some scripture says, you are my stability and my prosperity. In you, my future is secure. Jesus is your security. He's your prosperity. And in him, your future is secure indeed. And because of your life, and because of this, your life and everything you need to live an abundant and extraordinary life already exists in him. This is one of our inheritance in Christ Jesus. This is what we get to enjoy as Jesus's disciple, you know? So I want us to begin. I'm, I'm talking so passionately, which wasn't even in my plan, but the Holy Spirit is here and he wants somebody here tonight to know. I, I want you to start to walk in authority. I want you to start to walk in knowledge. I want you to start to walk in understanding, to know who you are. You walk in authority. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are kept with, you are kept with Christ. You are secure in him. This is how you move. <laughs> Hashtag we move. This is how you move. Moving on to verse 31 to 33. The Jews thought to themselves, who does this guy think he is? Like, so can you imagine the way I'm talking is, I mean, Jesus was talking at a higher level. Like, like, wait, what? Why are you so... <laughs> It's like, wait, why are you so calm? Why are you speaking with so much authority? Why are you speak so confidently, right? So, and they picked up stones again to stone him. And that stood out to me. It says again, it means that Jesus was used to them stoning him. That's crazy, guys. He really went through a lot. Can you imagine the humility required by Jesus to go through what he went through, knowing fully well that he is God? I mean, we have no excuse not to be humble. He endured pain, suffering, stoning, mockery, people trying to kill him, and yet he focused on why he came. He didn't let all that was happening around him distract him from his purpose. Jesus, we, we want to be like you. And so what is the point I'm trying to make here? Do not let what is happening around you, what is happening in your environment, what is happening in your situation, what is happening in your home, what is happening in the world, what is happening at work, what is happening in school, distracts you from what God has called you to do. Our goal is to focus on Jesus Christ, focus on our focus. When they picked up the stones to stone Jesus, he responded, he used their law to confront them. He said, why are you stoning me for doing good works? right? Remember, so it was, it is against the law of Moses, you claim and you believe to obey. Like, why are you stoning me? Remember back then, they only, they stoned people who disobeyed the law, but Jesus wasn't, dis, he technically did not disobey the law. So why were they stoning him, right? So the point here is 
Jesus was able to speak up for himself and confront their inadequate actions because he knew the law. He knew the word. If he didn't know the law, he would have been in a fix, right? So my question to us is, and this is to me and to you listening, is that how knowledgeable are you of the word of God? So that when the naysayers come to you, you know what the word says. We must know the core doctrines of faith. We must know the non-negotiables. We must, we must be able to differentiate that between the freedom issues, the ones that differ between one Christian and the other. And this is where the Holy Spirit comes into play because we have core doctrines and we have the ones that are like freedom issues. For example, there's no way in the Bible that tells you like what to wear specifically, right? So these are freedom issues. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. It convicts, convicts you based on what he wants to do in your life and what he has called you to. And so this is why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. And so even though Jesus was radical in his approach, and you know we've been teaching a lot about Jesus and how we, we always say savage Jesus, radical Jesus, which he was, he never did anything contrary to the law. You can obey the law of God and what God is telling you over what maybe someone is telling you or man is telling you, as long as God has given you that go ahead and that authority and is, and is in line with his word. It must be in line with the word of God. So Jesus didn't come to say anything contrary to the law. He didn't come to to rebel against the law, but he actually came to elevate it to the next level, to the higher thinking. Why? Because there's always the next level in God. God is so wide. He's so deep. His depths are unimaginable. And God is always doing a new thing. So Jesus, when he came, he came to usher us into the new, a new move of God in that time. So now we have the Holy Spirit who does this work of ushering us into the new and the next in and with God. So remember, God will never contradict himself. Instead, he fulfills his word, whether it is an existing word, you know, in the Bible, like in the actual, the Bible, or maybe a word he's giving you prophetically. He never like contradicts it. What he does is that he elevates it to the current move of the spirit. So it must always be in sync with the scripture. So in verse 33, they said, we're not stoning you for your good works, but for blasphemy. How can a mere man claim to be God? And so this was their issue. They were like, you can't claim that you're God. But then again, Jesus challenged them again in verse 34. He said, but in this same law, you claim to obey. It is written, you are God. Again, he knew the word. He challenged it, didn't, didn't disrespect it right? But he elevated it to, the, to a higher level of thinking that they never thought about. Psalm 82 verse 6 says, I said, you are God and all of you are the children of the most high. And so what Jesus was saying was, he was basically saying, if they actually really practiced and believed in the law and they were, you know, they hold it in such high esteem, right? Why do they want to stone him for saying exactly what the law says? Jesus knew the word. The word knew the word. 
Jesus studied the Bible. He studied himself. I think this is so profound. If Jesus studied the word, if he studied himself, then we must also study the word. We must know the word. So important. And Jesus said that if they actually, so they believed in, they believed in the law of Moses and in the, the books, like, you know, the Psalms and everything that were written by the prophets. And he says that if they accepted that they were gods and children of the most high, then why is it blasphemy when he is saying he's the son of God? Because technically he is literally the son of God. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, he's literally the son of God, but according to the Bible, it says you are gods and you are children of the most high. So you are still a son of God. So why was it so, why was it that when Jesus said he was the son of God, it just sounded like wrong to them, right? <laughs> just found that very interesting. More, 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 moreover, people worshipped other gods, right? They worshipped other kings. So why was it so hard for them to think of Jesus as the same as God? Even if Jesus was just another small letter God, which we are because we are small gods in the image of, our, of big God, right? Why, I think, why is it so hard? Clearly, there has to be more to this, right? It is easy for humans to worship an idol or to create an entity and worship it. But when it comes to Jesus and the concept of him being God, it becomes wrong. And to be honest with you, I don't fully understand it, but I want to ask God, why is it hard for people to believe Jesus? Like, why is it hard for people to believe in the message of Jesus and in the whole thing that is really God, like God, God, not? <laughs> and he said, it is because people don't like to submit to rightful authority and take direction and lead from designated authority because of our innate nature as smaller gods in his image and what happened in the garden where man became his own authority. So the whole fight with Jesus being God and all that is because of the God in us is trying to elevate himself over Jesus Christ and over God himself. Everyone wants to do their own thing. We can see it, everybody's like, uh, my truth, my this, everyone wants to do their own thing. This is why there's such a high, there's such a spirit of self and man is so prevalent in our society. Because there are three kinds of priesthood that governs. So a priesthood is an authority that governs how you, that governs your life. So the governing authority over your life. The first priesthood is of God. So the Holy One of Israel, the Almighty God. The other priesthood is man because man can be a God unto himself because we are made in, in the image of God. So we are smaller gods. And the other priesthood, the last one is Satan. Satan himself is a God unto himself and people can, people worship him and use him as an authority over their lives. And so this is the issue. But the truth is that the world we live in is governed by an order that has existed way before we came into existence. Outside of this order, we cannot function as fully intended, as God fully intended. So this is why the world is a mess today. And this is also why Christ came. He came to restore us back to the original order as intended by God. I don't know why I'm, I went through all this, but I feel like this is a message for someone because someone is going to question why you serve Jesus. And this is your word. In verse 37, Jesus said, if I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me, that's fine. But if I do, if I do though, like 
you do and you do not believe me well at least believe the works you know that you that you that you might know me and believe that god is actually in me right so jesus was saying even if i'm a false prophet a teacher and i'm not doing god's work then it's okay not to believe me which makes sense because from our last teaching we talked about voice and how we don't follow voices that we are not called to so not, the way god has designed us as humans is like you don't you barely follow the voice you're not called to. that's why in some seasons you are prone to certain teachers and some seasons you are prone to other people right and then some people that you're not even prone to at all like you don't even listen to them because maybe they are just completely false <laughs> right so we talked about that so their spirit it doesn't seem well with you and like this doesn't sound right and so jesus is saying it's okay if you do not believe me that's fine but why don't you believe in the evidence of the, the miracles, the works that you have seen me do? And then when you do that, you will understand that a mere man cannot do this. And that indeed, I am the son of God. Indeed, he is in me and I am in him, right? Again, this is also to point out that to be able to do the kinds of things that Jesus did, we must be inside of God and God inside of us. This is where we are literally a complete reflection of God because we are inside one another. And so people shouldn't be able to literally differentiate us, differentiate between us and God. And we are in that dispensation where the least of men will be like a David and the greatest of men will be like God's in the order of big God. That is the dispensation we are going into. And this is our ultimate goal. This, this should be our ultimate goal. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Wow. Jesus is saying, if you don't believe me, at least believe the works you are saying. And when you do, you will, you may know, so like it triggers you to believe that, okay, God is really here, right? And so what is Jesus trying to tell us here? In like just in our modern day, like lingo and lingua is that there are two ways people can believe in him, right? The first way is just to believe in him. This is the higher level of faith. This is the God faith is the, is the ultimate goal. This comes when you spend more time with Christ, with Jesus, with the word, with prayer and with your consecrations and spiritual disciplines. And then he's saying the second way is to believe the works of God through whom God sends and the God results showing through the person. So this is another way you can believe God. It is a lower level of faith, but it require, um, which requires you to see before you believe. But again, it can get you there. In John 20, verse 29, Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. <laughs> Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. From this verse, we can see that there are two types of Christians. There are two types of disciples. The ones who leverage human faith, so people who have to see to believe, and the ones who leverage supernatural faith, who have not seen but believed. This is so profound because this is how this this is this is how we experience God in different levels. 
And Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. There's a different kind of blessing attached to those who move in extraordinary faith, those who move in crazy faith, those who move in supernatural faith. I mean, just go figure, just think about the men and the women of faith and of God who have done great things with God. They moved in supernatural faith because blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed different experiences. So you can experience your Christian walk in different ways, depending on how you believe God and you believe based on how much time you spend because your, your knowledge of him grows more the more you spend with him. And of course, this is this, all this that Jesus was saying was just like, they're like, well, we don't, <laughs> it didn't sit right with them. They tried to arrest him, but he got away and he left. I like to say Jesus was very fast. What is like, it's, it's okay to rest. It's okay to get away when <laughs> people are trying to get you because people will try to get you. It's just part of the package. In verse 40, we see Jesus go to where John was baptizing people at first. It says he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first. And he stayed there a while. He remained there. He went again. Again, it's okay to take rest. Jesus needed to get away from the noise and the distractions of day-to-day -day life and the interactions with the world that needed him. They needed him, but they desperately sought to kill him. So people will need you, but then they will criticize you. It is just what it is. And I feel like in this moment, Jesus was having one of those, oh God, this work, <laughs> this work you call me to is tough. <laughs> It's not easy. We have, we all have those moments. I have those moments. I'm like, God, it's, this is, this is hard. It's hard to wait. It's hard to trust. It's hard to have faith, to have crazy faith. It's hard to, for God to just say, go to a land where I will show you. And you're like, okay, so what am I going to do? Just go there. It's hard. It's hard to be saying the same thing, same thing to people over and over again, and they don't get it, you know? So he just needed to reset his mind. Why am I saying this? It is okay to take time off to reset your mind. It is okay to unplug. It is okay to go offline, get some me time, recalibrate, recenter yourself into your purpose and your calling. Jesus went back to the days of small beginnings. He went back to reconnect and to get motivation to continue walking in his purpose. When the journey gets tough, we need to revisit God we need to revisit why God called us in the first place. Go back to the beginning. Go back to your why. Go back to why you started. Zechariah 4.10 says, do not despise the days of small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. God likes it when we start. He likes us to remember and come back to those days where we started small and had time for him before life got all busy. You know, we must find time to recreate this moment into our busy schedule. We must find time for God. And it's not to say you have to have one, I have to do six hours. No, just find time. God honors, he honors commitment, he honors desire. Even if it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, a day, that's fine. You will begin to grow and you will see yourself grow. It says in verse 41, many people came to meet Jesus where he was resting. <laughs> Spoiler alert, 
<laughs> when you offer so much value, people will seek you out. Even when you go offline, <laughs> you, I think this is, this is amazing. I said, let this set someone free from social media approval and addiction right now. As they engage one another, you know, Jesus, we, Jesus went to rest and they came to meet him. <laughs> Even if you go offline, they will, they will find you if you have value to offer. And so as they engaged one another, you know, these people that came to meet Jesus, the people that were seeking him, really seeking him, they commented amongst themselves. They were saying like, didn't John perform miracles? John didn't do all these things, like didn't perform these miracles like Jesus and that everything John said about Jesus and what he would do has happened, you know? And so as they discuss, as they spend time thinking and meditating, meditating they believed him. Wow. So what does this tell us? This tells us that we must set aside time for thinking and meditating, even amongst ourselves. So we do it personally, but we do it in community, which is why we have Bible study, right? The Bible says, do not neglect the assembly of the saints. We must spend time thinking and meditating amongst ourselves, amongst true disciples. A lot of people don't think about what they are thinking about. You must think about what you are thinking about. It is in these moments of stillness, in these moments of stillness that the Holy Spirit speaks to us the mind of God. Who you surround yourself with is key to unlocking a new mindset and perspective on the truth. And I say that in capital T, truth, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The one who stays in the temple, the, the ones who stayed in the temple, the Jews, they didn't come to look for Jesus. So they were still stuck in their old mindset. The ones who followed Jesus, the sheep who, hears, the, who heard his voice, the ones who, who's, who went to the inner court, they started discussing amongst themselves. They were in close proximity to Jesus. They saw the truth in, in person. So to, what does, this also means that to discuss the truth of God, you need the word of God. You can't discuss the truth based on what you saw on Google or what you saw on Instagram, or what I even say, you must be like the Berean Christians, open the Bible. You need to be in close proximity with the word. And those who did that, they believed. The more you spend time with God, the more you believe in him, because he begins to open himself up to you that you would have no choice but be like, wow, this guy is real. Like he exists. This means that for you and I, to unlock a new mindset in Christ, to unlock a new mindset in God, for you to truly believe and get the juice of what God is truly is really all about, you have to follow him. You have to spend time with him. You have to be close to him. You have to spend time with the right people, the right community of disciples, people that are spiritually mature. And again, we do this by praying, by reading the word, by studying the Bible, by being in the right community. Finally, you cannot, you can't remain in the outer court and expect to believe God or truly know his nature. It's, it, it doesn't work like that way. You have to follow him and talk to other true followers who are following him as well because we grow in the right community. Don't stay in the outer court and talk to outer court people and expect to progress in your relationship with God. Many people are having conversations and bantering with people on social media. 
what that is outer courts that is even outside of outer court that is like universe courts don't think don't expect to have relationship with people in the outer court mindset people that don't they don't spend time with god and expect to grow in a relationship with god you it won't work it doesn't work you must find people at a higher level of frequency and mindset people who are spiritually mature in god and can also help you mature spiritually. And this is why I'm so glad for this community. This is why I'm glad for each and every one of you and how God is teaching us, how God is growing us. Cause I'm growing myself as I prepare, the Lord is teaching me. And here we can find like-minded followers of Jesus who are aiming to grow spiritually as well. This also means that not just even in the word, but in things that relate to us growing in who God has called us to be, things that relate to us growing in our purpose, in our calling, in our assignment, in, you know, in work, in business, you must be in the right circle. Don't just go to any program. Don't just take any course. Let the Holy Spirit lead you, right? You must, because you must, what community does, right? What is happening here is literally impartation. When you are in community, you get imparted with the spirit of God. So when you're in a community where God himself is there, you are literally getting doses of God just spread to you. So not just your spiritual community, your personal life as well. You must be in the right, you must be in the right network, the right community. And that's how we grow. And this is how we grow. So this is the end of today's teaching. Um, thank you so much for staying um, to the end. I, I'm sure you were blessed because as I kept teaching myself, I was blessed. So let me do a summary. Um, so number one, the key to stepping into the inner court experience involves intimacy with God, um, which involves intimacy is just developing that hunger and that thirst for God, right? Um, number two, Jesus is your security, is my security, is your prosperity, and in him, your future is secure. I'm telling you, I'm 200% sure that your future is secure, but you must walk in this knowledge and understanding. No one can snatch you from him. You can't even snatch yourself. How about that? Like nothing you can do can take you away from your security in God. Even if you make a mistake, the Lord Almighty is powerful enough to course correct because the Bible says, I would turn what the enemy meant for harm. The Lord uses it for good. So uh, there's no, there's no, there's nothing that can happen. You are good, right? And because of this, everything that you need to live an extraordinary life already exists in him. Number three, do not let whatever is happening around you, your environment, the world, the situation, your job, do not let it distract you from what God has called you to do stay focused. It can be hard, but the Holy Spirit helps us to rescind. And remember, Jesus went to rest. So whenever you're feeling like, oh my God, it's just, this is a lot. Take time, rest. It can be an hour. It can be half a day, whatever it is, rest. This is why Sabbath is, this is why the Lord put Sabbath because it automatically, give, it automatically gives us the opportunity to just recenter on a weekly basis, right? So we are not burnt out. Finally, there are two types of Christians. There are two types of disciples. The ones who leverage human faith 
which are called natural faith, which is you have to see to believe, and the ones who leverage the supernatural faith, those who have not seen will believe. And the ultimate goal is to be ones, the disciples, who have not seen but believed. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you for this beautiful time. This was a beautiful moment. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to learn from you and to learn from Jesus, who is our lead disciple, our role model, and our mentor. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us access to the inner court and to the Holy of Holies. Thank you for giving us access to experience you as intimately as we desire. Thank you for making us into kings and priests to God the Father. Today, I stand in authority as one with the keys of heaven to release on earth and to open doors and seasons. And I call you forth. I call forth the king and the priest in you to begin to arise and shine. I decree and declare, step into your kingship and sit on the throne of your kingdom by the power of the Holy Ghost. Step into your priestly role and begin to negotiate with God hope for those who are, you are called to and those called to you. Begin to walk as a king and a priest on this earth. And I decree and declare over you, the least amongst us will be as gods because God has called us to be extraordinary disciples, supernatural disciples. The least amongst us will be as gods in the image and in the order of our of God Almighty. Lord Jesus, you said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Lord, we desire more of you. We hunger for you. Our soul pants for you. Our heart longs for you. Our spirit needs you. Our body wants you. We ask that you fill us with righteousness till we overflow. Fill us with obedience. Fill us with faith. Fill us with love. Fill us with the fruit of the spirit till we overflow. Holy Spirit, we want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. Holy Spirit, you are that power. We want to experience you in your fullness, the fullness of your power that raised Christ from the dead, the fullness of your power that endured and transformed the disciples on the day of Pentecost literally turning them into new beings, transforming them into people that could speak another language. Literally, they became new people. Lord, we want to know you more. We long for you and we love you. We join our faith together as a community and we ask for experiences that are deeper in you. Call us higher, take us deeper, clothe us in your power, clothe us in your glory, clothe us in your honor. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us to stay focused on you, to wait with you, to wait on you, to listen to you as you teach us even as we wait. I decree that as we wait on you, Lord, that our strength is renewed like the eagles and we will walk and not be weary. We will run and we will not faint. We will rise to our next level in you and in who you have called us to be. We, by the power of the Holy Ghost, we rise by the power of the Holy Spirit as we spend time in intimacy with you. 
I decree and declare that you will rise by the power of the Holy Spirit as you spend more time with Christ, as you spend more time with the Word, as you spend more time in prayer. Lord, ignite our prayer altars, ignite our love altars, ignite our passion for you, ignite our hearts to desire your presence above anything else because better is one day in your courts better is one day in your presence than a thousand days elsewhere holy spirit open the eyes of our understanding flood it with your light so that we may discover the gems hidden in christ so that we may discern so that we may see so that we may seize and so that we may experience the glorious riches that exist in christ jesus and so that we may know the exceeding greatness of Christ's power towards us who believe the mighty things that you can do through us and in us. Because your, the word says, those who know their God shall be strong and they will do exploits. And this is our promise and this is who we are called to be. Lord, increase our belief in you because we can only experience you up to the level in which we believe you because it is according to the power working in us. Lord, we ask that you increase our capacity to know you more so that we can experience more of your wonder-working power in the, might, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we declare that we hear your voice. We hear when you speak to us. We know you and you know us and we obey you when you speak. I declare that we will walk in obedience and in faith and the Lord Almighty will count it to us as righteousness. I declare that as you obey God, the Lord will count it to you as righteousness. I declare that you are one and we are one that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We seek to be in alignment with God's plan and his will for our lives. Lord, I declare that we are all kept and we are secure in you. You will know our name. And on that last day, you will not say to us, I never knew you because you know our name and we know your name. We know your passcode. We know who you are and we spend eternity with you in the Holy of Holies. This is our destiny. This is our heritage in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you because our future is secure in Christ Jesus. We receive the inheritance of security. We receive the inheritance of stability. We receive the inheritance of sustenance. I declare over you that your future is secure in God. Jesus himself, himself keeps you. His blood speaks good things over you. It speaks mercy. It speaks favor. It speaks grace. It speaks dominion. I declare that you will not perish. No one will snatch you from Jesus because you are kept by him. You are kept in him. I declare that you are kept safe under the wings of God. Death will not snatch you. Sickness will not snatch you. I declare that the covenant of life and preservation speaks for you. You are marked with the blood of Jesus and death and sickness will pass over when he sees you. And I declare that the promise and the blessings of divine health is released upon you as you hear my voice. You and yours and your family and your loved ones are kept by the Lord and the heaven's armies. They watch over you in your going out and in your coming in. The Lord protects you and shields you from danger by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I declare that continually you would abide in Jesus and he will abide in you. His words will not depart from your mouth. I declare that we unveil faces 
beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, you are being transformed into the same image of Christ, going from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Your life, your path, your relationships, your business, your career, your education, your finances, everything that pertains to you, that concerns you, will continue to shine brighter and brighter and go from glory to glory by the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. And I declare that we are ones who believe even when we do not see. Take us to higher realms in you. Holy Spirit, I ask and I release the gift of faith proportion, proportional to the vision and the mandate you have given us. Increase our faith and help us grow in our trust in you. And I declare that you have the mind of Christ and that you can so that you can carry the highest dimensions of faith, the highest dimensions of trust, the highest dimensions of depth and experiences in God. I declare that your mind, your thoughts are elevated to the higher mind and thoughts of God. I declare that you will see like God sees. You will think like God thinks. You will act like God acts. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to walk in sync with you and with God. Father, we thank you. We thank you for these prayers. And I declare that every word I have spoken in prayer will not fall to the ground. It will not delay and it would accomplish that which it has been sent to do by the power of God and the immutability of his word. I envelope these prayers in the immunity protection that is the blood of Jesus. And I declare that these prayers are signed, they are sealed, and they are delivered unto victory in the mighty and powerful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to today's session. I hope you were blessed. I trust you were. Don't forget to invite your friends to the session or get them to sign up to receive our daily prayers and to get access to the bi-weekly Bible study session. The link is in the bio. See you next time. Ciao.